welcome to another episode of Experiencing Motherhood Single and Black. I am your host, Kim, and I'm so excited that you have decided to tune in and listen. If this is your very first time here, welcome. If you are part of the community, welcome back. I just appreciate each and every one of you. If you missed out on last week's episode, we started the year off talking about effective planning with Kayla, who created the Black Girl Magic Planner. So if you have set some goals for yourself, but you have not created those actionable steps to make sure you achieve those goals, and you definitely want to go back and check out that episode. And even if you have planned out everything for the year, you still want to go back and check that because Kayla dropped some helpful tips. If you have been listening and you have not left a review, what are you waiting on? Please take a moment to pause this and go and leave a review over on Apple Podcasts. Reviews help increase the ranking of the podcast and it helps other single moms to be able to find it. This week, we are talking all about home buying and this one is definitely for you if you are considering purchasing a home within the next year, two or three years. We go over basic home buying information and I even share some of the things I learned as I went through the process to get pre-approved to buy a home. So without further ado, let's get into this episode. Hi, Arisha. Welcome to Experiencing Motherhood Single and Black. I am so excited to have you on to chat about home buying. How are you doing? I'm doing well and I'm just really honored to be here to address uh, home buying to all the single mothers as well as fathers that are listening. Awesome. Can you take a moment to just tell the listeners about yourself? Okay. Um, My name is Arisha Wilbert and um, I, man, it's so much for me to say. I I, I won't be so long-winded, but um, (laughs) <laughs> I am fine. a realtor, but <laughs> I'm a mother, single mom of three boys, awesome little boys. Love God, so I I do a lot of spiritual uh, enrichment and enlightenment as well, and real estate, and I also teach eighth grade <laughs> science. Wow, and, that's um, so cool. <laughs> that's really, I mean, that's really just the. Hustle and grind of my life, right there. <laughs> yeah, tell how long have you been a single mom? If you don't mind me asking, um, I've been a single mom for about two years, going into three years. So I've been a single mom for about two, almost two, almost three years. Okay. Yeah. And what actually made you make that decision to get started in real estate? Um, I actually lost my job. I was working for the state of Oklahoma and that's uh, where I currently reside and I have always wanted to do real estate um, I tried to do it in college but it just that wasn't the right time so I figured um, just to start a lot of times when we lose jobs it's a kind of a propeller for us to start our own thing and so I went to real estate school and I really loved, loved all that real estate entails not just about uh, money or anything like that but it's about building relationships with people and 
being a part of that milestone in their life, um, as well as just being able to have that education and that knowledge to help other people uh, become homeowners. And so I went for it. I actually had went to go look for a house and uh, the real estate agent that was helping me was like, hey, have you ever thought about real estate? You know, I was like, yeah, he was like, you'd be really good. And so I knew that was the confirmation for me to go ahead and pursue. That is awesome. Now, I have another question as far as like your primary target audience. You know, when I came across your page, I saw um, that you was a single mom realtor and I was like, wow. So that is my next question. Like why single moms or why single parents in general? Um, To be honest with you, um, I am a single mom and I realized uh, that there were, there was a lack of that. Um, I actually uh, was doing temporary work and I was working alone, alongside other realtors and one of the guys was like, well, what is your niche? And I was like, well, you know, I want to help out women and I want to help them be able to be homeowners. And he was like, but what about single moms? I was like, you know what? You're absolutely right. He was like, because you're a single mom and you know, you can really reach them. You look like them, you know, you can relate to them, you know, and you can be, you can build that relationship with them and you have the knowledge that they need. And so I just ran with it. A lot of the times I listen to other people, but I also, you know, look at who, look at myself in the mirror, you know, and who do I want to influence people that are like me, people that want to know the things that I want to know. And so single moms, as I know, we struggle. You know, there's struggles that we have, and I wanted to be able to do something to where they're able to overcome the struggle. And being a homeowner is like the best thing that you could give your kids, especially as a single mom, because a lot of people think you have to have two incomes to own a home, but that's not true. And I wanted to be one of the people at the forefront debunking that myth, letting them know, no, you as a single parent, specifically a single mom, a black mom can own a home too. Yes, absolutely. I love it. So when we're talking about like making that decision to purchase a home, what are some things that we should consider? Um, Everybody knows, you know, you need to have your credit in order. So kind of talk about what that credit score looks like, what we should be focusing on if we have, I guess, a 600. Is that okay? Kind of talk about that a little bit. And maybe you can even go into some other things like, you know, how do we figure out what's in our budget, if we can actually afford it, if maybe we've had student loans in the past that we've defaulted on? Um, Absolutely. Um, What I will tell you is that most lenders, they really do look for you to have between a 620 and a 640 credit score. Um, However, depending on the type of loan you have, um, an FHA loan will allow you to get a 580. But with that 580, you have to have good payment history. You know, you have to have um, paying your bills on time, you know, showing that you're consistently trying to rebuild your credit. And if they see that, then they may go ahead and extend you a loan at 580. But most lenders look for you to have between a 620 and a 640. Most definitely a 640 will get you into a home. But um, a 620 is kind of like, okay, we'll look at you maybe you know, maybe a four or two months, do this, do that. Uh, but uh, it all depends on how much home you want. And what I mean by that is what type of purchase price do you want to have? 
you know, when you're really looking at buying a home, you need to know how much of a mortgage you can afford. And I will tell you, if you are paying, if you're someone who's paying a thousand dollars worth of rent, you probably would be able to pay maybe a thousand dollars in mortgage, you know, and it probably is going to be less than that because it is cheaper to own a home than it is to rent. But you want to make sure that you you have to be consistent with it, you know. Um, as far as the student loans are concerned, if you have defaulted on a student loan, you want to do everything you can to pull your loan out of default. It's not necessarily that you cannot buy a home, but your credit score is going to be affected by that, of course. As far as student loans are concerned, if you have defaulted on a student loan, it's not to say that you cannot get a home because you can, but your credit is going to be affected. And so they'll look at that. So if you're wanting to buy a home in cash and you've defaulted on a student loan, of course you can go ahead and buy you a home because your credit will probably be a factor because you're paying in cash. But if you need financing, which majority of the people do, it is going to take a toll because they're going to look at that on your credit report. And you want to do everything you can to bring it out of default. They have tons of consolidation programs out there um, where you can call and get your loan consolidated and get on a, a repayment plan based on your income. Uh, they also have deferments or forbearances that you can use just to bring your loans current. Um, a lot of the times, um, the student loan uh, servicers, they will work with you. You know, all you have to do is contact them and let them know, you know, you want to bring your loan out of default. Most of them will put you on like a six-month repayment plan where you need to make your payments on time for six months and that will lift that status off your credit report, which will, of course, bring your score higher. Um, but again, uh, I'm not saying that you can't buy a home with a defaulted loan because you can if you're paying cash, but if you want financing, it is going to have an effect on your credit. And so they're going to advise you to well, get that fixed first and, you know, try to get that repaid down or whatever. And, and they'll also look at the amount of uh, debt uh, the student loan is. I guess we're going into something different, which is the debt to income ratio. <laughs> that plays a part as well um, when you're going to buy a home. And this will also let you know if you're able to buy a home because, uh, the debt-to-income ratio is something that every mortgage company or lender will look at. Uh, and basically what it is, it's where they uh, look at the amount of debt you have versus the amount of income you make. A lot of the times they want it to be under, I believe it's 40, about 43%. They want your, your, your debt to be under that versus your income. And so if you have 50, if they do the math and your debt is 50% more than what your income is, then they're going to make you, not make you, but they're going to advise you to get your debt down. And therefore, they won't, uh, they won't lend you any money for a home because they'll, they'll feel like you don't make enough money to, um, you wouldn't make enough money to cover the mortgage. And so you want to look at that as well. You know, how much debt do I have? You know, do I, is there something I can pay down real quick? Or is there something I can put on a, a payment plan or something? Um, because they look at all, every lender uh, that you go to, the first thing they're going to do, of course, is pull your credit. You know, the next thing you're going to do is, is do your uh, debt-to-income ratio or your DTI. That's what they, that's, that's the term that they use. 
And you want to make sure you have all of that in order. You know, pull your own credit first. You know, before you step out and, and go and, and see a lender, pull your own credit first to see what you have. And then take it to a lender. Because a lot of the times what, what I've run into as a realtor are uh, people who have never pulled their credit report. <laughs> um, there's wow. plenty of different apps now. Yeah, seriously. Um, they've never looked at it. They just think they they just know they're not qualified. Well, I'm not qualified. How do you know? Well, I just, I don't know. I just, have you pulled your credit? Well, no. Well, then you don't know. You know, you have to do, do a little bit of, um, do a little bit of Googling on yourself, so to speak, um, by making sure you know what's on your credit report, you know, know what's going on with your own, um, finance financial future that's very important when you're buying a home yeah I think that is so true and I have a question because you said something and it made me think about it you said that if you're paying a thousand or more um for rent for an apartment then you can probably afford to pay that for a home but here's the thing so if you are paying $1,000 or more for an apartment, but your debt to income ratio is high, then you may not be able to afford it, like you said before, you know, and then also, um, you know, just having, like, I just feel like you should have a fund for any issues that may go wrong in the home. So, with the apartment or with renting you don't have to worry about like maintenance issues because you can just call maintenance and they'll come fix it but then when you buy a home like everything is on you and I know you can buy like home buyers insurance but you still have to pay the deductible for that right so kind of talk about that a little bit I just want you to go a little bit more in detail because you know some people might listen and they may think oh well she said if I you know I'm paying this, then I can afford that. Let me go try and see, you know, if I can do that. But it's, I don't think it's that simple. You're absolutely right. And um, it's not as simple as I said it. <laughs> it sounds simple, but what I'm saying is, what I'm saying is this, is that um, you're right in an apartment. You don't have to worry about the maintenance issue because that's, you know, you're paying for that. Um, when you're in a home, you do have to, you do have to take care of everything that um, requires maintenance, whether, you know, you got a leak in the roof or your toilet overflows or your washer and dryer breaks, you're you're responsible for all of that. And yes, you do have to pay a deductible um, for mortgage insurance. Um, you also have to have homeowners insurance and you have that all of that is in, included in your mortgage. It sounds strange, but all of it's in, included in, in that. I guess what I'm trying to say is it is cheaper to um, buy than to rent. However, if your debt is high, then you're going to have to stick it out until you bring down your debt. Like you, it's not, um, it's only a benefit if you, if you have everything in order. So if you're debt, if you brought down your debt, you know, if you've had the opportunity to save money, like if you're paying a thousand dollars rent and you're barely making it by, then you're not going to be able to pay that thousand dollar mortgage because then you're not going to be able to take care of, you know, put some aside 
for maintenance or keeping your lawn up or, you know, anywhere in tear of the house. All of that falls on you. And so if you're, if you are paying a thousand dollars rent and you're barely making it, you know, barely making it by, or you don't have enough, or you're in all this debt, then of course you're living, you don't have enough, you know, to um, take care of everything. But if you are paying a thousand dollars rent and you have, you know, your debt is, you're managing your debt or you have no debt or you set aside a rainy day fund is what we would call it if you're living in an apartment, the rainy day fund, um, then yes, you probably could afford the mortgage because you have some set aside already. So that means you already, that rainy day fund will become your maintenance fund or anything like that. But if you're barely making it, then no, then you probably want to get, you know, get it to where you have a little wiggle room where you can put some money up to the side or put some money, you know, stash some, have a little stash or something to where you can breathe a little bit, bring that debt down so that you, you know, the money you were paying for your debt, that could be the money that you put up. I do know that if everything is in order, if you were in a position to buy a home, then you would have, a manageable debt or no debt, not not necessarily not having any debt, but you know, you would maybe, I don't know, you, you may have like a few months or so, not months, a few years left of student loan debt if you have that. Um, you may have a few medical bills. Some people have that. I think those are the biggest things. You may even have a credit card bill that you're paying on, but it doesn't exceed your income. You know, you're able to manage it. If you have that, and you have some money put to the side, you're able to faithfully, you know, not just here and there, but you're able to faithfully save maybe 50 to $100 a month, just putting it, up, putting it up and not looking back, not putting it up and then running back to it, you know, just putting it up. Um, then I think that you would be, you would be in a good position to go and purchase a home. And why I say that as a single parent, why I say that is because you're able to, balance everything that means that within that within your mortgage you would cover the tax you would cover the insurance you would be able to cover the mortgage and you may even be able to pay a little bit more towards your mortgage a lot of the times homes that are in the thousand dollar ranges I don't know where I'm not sure where everybody lives but in Oklahoma um, getting a mortgage of a thousand dollars that's probably almost a two hundred fifty thousand dollar home Oh no! And so it's if you like don't want that, that much home, <laughs> <laughs> see, it's like that here. So if you get maybe a two hundred fifty thousand dollars home, your mortgage would be about a thousand dollars. Wow! Maybe, oh my god! Maybe, yeah, a thousand dollars. Maybe, maybe fifteen hundred at the most, depending on your credit score, because that that weighs in. But it's very affordable to live here. And so if you drop wow. down, let's say if you only wanted a hundred and fifty thousand dollars home. You know, your mortgage may only be seven, eight hundred dollars, depending on your interest rate, depending on um, how much you put down or if you got a down payment assistance program, depending on that. Um, that's what you're looking at. And so, I, I mean, it, it just all depends on how much home you want. But I still like I, I'm one of those people that pay have paid rent that was close to a thousand dollars and I'm that person <laughs> I can tell, yeah I I can I can tell you now um that man it it's like you're you you can't you want to buy a home really bad 
but you know that it's just going to add more stress and you don't want that. You want to be, you want to make buying a home as stress-free as possible. You know, you, when you buy the home, you don't want to have to worry about, oh my God, how am I going to pay this? How am I going to keep the yard up? You want to know, well, I got this money saved up. I'm going to be able to, you know, if anything happens, should anything happen, not only do you have the homeowner's insurance, but you also have your own little bit of money to do whatever needs to be done. You want to be in a comfortable position. I hope that sounded right. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Um, Because that's one of the things, like, you know, I I think I told the moms about on Single Mom Chat. Uh, We have it, like, every Thursday night, and we just talk about different topics. And one night we were talking about home buy, and so that's what made me decide, like, we needed to do a podcast episode because they just had so many questions. And I was like, let me get someone who's more experienced. Um, because I know nothing about home buying other than the process that I went through. So whenever I moved to Houston, um, I have some relatives and they were like, you should just save up while you're living with us and buy a home. Well, I started to save because um, I didn't have rent at the time. And I was only living with them for maybe six or seven months and then things went left. And so um, me and my daughter ended up being on our own. But um, during that time, I applied for a mortgage with, I guess it's like a private um, mortgage company. I don't know if that's what you call it Um, or Mm -hmm. like a consulting. I don't I don't know whatever it's called. I applied for a mortgage loan. And so basically I was approved, you know, because of my credit and like Mm -hmm. apparently my debt to income ratio wasn't high like I thought it was. And so they were basically telling me, like, based on my income, and I think at the time I was only making like 15 or $16 an hour. And so um, based on my income and I guess my debt to income ratio, I could qualify for a home that was 130000 And mm-hmm. um, I want to say that they quoted me over $1,000 for the mortgage um, and the PMI or private mortgage insurance for those of you who don't know. Yeah. And so... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I was like, you know, okay, well, you know, if I'm going to be paying like 900 and something for rents for a small, tiny apartment, I can get a whole house, you know, maybe I should do that. But something woke me up because I was like, listen, you need to pay down this debt first, because if you run and you go get a house, then you don't have any type of money saved, you know, other than the money you saved to put down. Um, granted yeah. she did say that they could, um, like they could help me apply for, you know, first time home buying programs or whatever. But then mm-hmm. I would also need that money to like fund, like, you know, the furniture and, you know, do all of that. And so it's like, I didn't have enough money saved to be able to buy furniture and buy all the things I needed for a new house and plus have some less for maintenance, you know, if anything happened, right. so like, you know, this I is not you know, and I asked her for recommendations as far as, you know, my debt. And she was like, you know, I would really focus on paying down those student loans, you know, installments. Um, I think I had a personal loan at the time and credit cards basically. So yeah, I would definitely like, if you're thinking about it and you really want to see like what it's like, I would say like, I don't know for me, and this was like years ago, but I did it just to see 
like if I would qualify, how much would I qualify for in their recommendations mm-hmm. as far as like my day? And that's how I learned about the process. Because a lot of times, you know, you can go through the classes and all of that, but until you actually go through it and they're asking you for these check stubs and all of this stuff, you don't really know. You mm-hmm. know? Uh, so that brings me into my next question um like what do you feel are some advantages of buying a home as we know you know equity is one of the you know I guess biggest things you can kind of talk about that a little bit I mean there's some other things that you feel are advantages versus like renting a home yeah um so there are some benefits of home ownership um of course equity is the biggest one and I think it's only because when you rent you know, you don't really get any equity in what you rent, you know. Uh, but when you own a home and a mortgage is in place, a portion of your payment, it goes towards the principal balance on your loan. So this builds your equity and it acts as like a savings account. And that's really good. Like, say, if you wanted to, if anything was to happen or you need to take a second mortgage or you want to buy another home or you want to start a business, you could take the equity out of your home to do that. And I don't think a lot of people know that, but you can do that. You know, you can take uh, the money that, that that's building up in your home and you can use it for, like I said, a new home or if you want to start a business or if you need to, you know, do some do some work on your own home. You know, if you need to, you know, want to ramp it, revamp it and, and do that. So that's a, number, that's a big advantage of being a, a homeowner. Also, tax savings. Uh, the government rewards homeowners, and I know everybody looks forward to tax season, uh, but they provide excellent tax benefits. Uh, the interest paid on your mortgage and other home-related expenses, they can generally be deducted from your income, which is great. Um, also, your home value appreciates, so that means that what you buy it at, maybe within the next three to five years, it will be able, you may be able to, if you're, if you want to move again, but if you want to move again, you will probably be able to offer it or put it for put it on the market uh, for more than what you purchased it for, which is a good thing. Um, home values have a well-documented history of going up over time. Uh, the increase becomes equity you can benefit from when you refinance and sell your home. Okay. Also, uh, of course, it's happiness. You know, it's nothing like being able to go and drive into your own driveway or you know, know that you own it and it's yours. You may not have the noisy neighbors that you have if you're living in an apartment or even in a townhome, but it's something that you can call your own. And you know that it's something that, you know, you can keep in your family. Uh, you could pay it off and maybe give it to one of your kids or even use it as residual income. The other thing uh, that I think is a benefit of home ownership is education um, for your children. A lot of people don't realize, but when you have a stable home for your kids, that makes things better for them when they go to school. You know, they're not worried about, you know, am I going to have this or am I going to have that? They know they have a stable place. A lot of times kids need a backyard or they have a big place where they can stretch out and relax. Um, One of the things I found is says research shows children of homeowners earn higher test scores and graduate at a higher percentage than those of renters. Wow, I mean, I don't know about that because <laughs> I don't know about that part as far as been graduating, but I do know that most of the time, um, kids that have a parent who own a home, they tend, they do tend to do well in school. You know, they have that security blanket. 
And then that's really important, being a single parent. You want your kids to be safe. You want them to be stable. And the last thing that I would say is the benefit of home ownership are the roots that you get, you know, the friends that you meet, the neighbors that you can make those long-lasting relationships with. Um, It provides an opportunity to get to know who you're around and, and really just connect with the community. You know, when you own a home, you're a part of a community now. And so you get a chance to take part in, you know, the community fall festival or uh, the community Christmas party or uh, just the, some of them have neighborhood watches. And you get a chance to be a part of that. And and, and in these days and times, we need community. We are so technology inclined. You know, we need that, that feel of a relationship and home that's a benefit of home ownership. Yes. So you mentioned something and I just want to ask about this because I didn't earlier, but you said um, if you have been living in the home for five years and you could consider, you know, relocating or moving, basically selling the home. So then mm-hmm. for a person that's considering buying a home if they plan to move in the next few years, is it really worth it to buy the home? Like, I think I remember someone saying that if you're not going to stay in the home at least five years, then it's not worth it. Like, what are your thoughts on that? I think it just depends on why you're buying the home. You know, now we're in this day and time where a lot of people are flipping homes and they're they're trying to get, build a portfolio because they want to do rental homes. Um, But if you're really looking to acquire a home to live in, you really want to live in it in at least five years. You know, a lot of times, a lot of the lenders and the loans that you get, they will require you to at least a minimum is three years. But you want to be there for five or more. If you don't plan on being in a home longer than five years, I agree with that person. Then it's really not worth it. You know, it's really really not worth the effort unless, you know, you're – you're a real estate investor. You know, if you're a real estate investor, then of course, you know, you're you're not intending to stay in that home. You're just intending to acquire it, maybe fix it up, and then rent it out to other people. Um, but if you're just, if you're relocating somewhere and you're not sure if you're going to be there for longer than five years, then I would encourage you to maybe rent a home or, uh, again, rent an apartment uh, just because it's, I mean, it, it's going to be, it's going to be, a hassle and people if you're going to sell quickly like that people will be asking you because I get those questions but why are you selling it you just bought it you know what's wrong with it you know that's the first thing they ask what's wrong with it you know why are you why are you selling it so fast because we get all the records they look at all the documents well the DJ you just bought this house three years ago you know what's wrong with it is there a plumbing problem is the room for and you don't really want to have to run into that those types of questions if you're going to put it back on the market yeah yeah for sure what are some disadvantages of buying a home as opposed to renting because we already talked about maintenance and how I guess expensive that can be versus renting what are some other things I know property taxes is one you don't really have that when you're renting that is true I think the disadvantages of buying a home is true besides taxes you know, you have to get the, the necessary uh, work done as far as you want to make sure you don't have termites, which you really, you get a termite inspection before you buy the home. Most people may not know, but please get a termite inspection before you buy the home. Um, your house could have shifted 
And so you have to deal with that. Just the wear and tear of the home. Um, I would say it's a disadvantage to buy in a home. <laughs> Maybe you might have ended up with neighbors you didn't like or you don't like. That could be a disadvantage <laughs> to buying a home because we don't have that sense of everybody, okay, go meet who you, you know, go go and talk to the people that live here and try to find out what's going on. That's really it. I mean, there's really, besides the, the tax, the property taxes, uh, sometimes the insurance can be a booger too. Yes, you need to have renter's insurance, but your homeowner's insurance is like in your mortgage. Like that's something that they do. There are different types of um, insurances that you can have based on the different lenders that you get or the loan that you acquire, and that's in your mortgage. And so some some of the loans that you get, you have to pay that. You have to continue to pay that up until I think it's like maybe almost 90% paid, and then they then it doesn't, it doesn't, you can't, then they'll, they'll waive it. It's, it's a specific type of insurance. But most conventional loans, you know, we're talking about your girlfriend who said that if they put down less than 20%, if they put down 20% or more, they would just have to pay a lump sum. Um, it's with a conventional loan. Most conventional loans, they, they will require you to have the mortgage insurance or the CMI if you don't put that down. If you put less than 20% down, then of course they have to have, they make they make you have that, which basically is like a savings account. If you lose your job or anything like that, then they have that money that to cover your mortgage, okay? Um, also, um, same thing if you get a government loan, they require you to have mortgage insurance as well. Um, but there may be, there may there be some loans that may not require that. Um, and so if you're, if you don't want to take care of that, or if you, you know, you don't want to pay that, then you have to really do some digging to find lenders who don't require you to have that, um, that PMI. But I think that's a downside, down, downside to it because it adds on to your mortgage. Like it increases your mortgage until you paid it out. Like it'll tell you how much it is and until you pay whatever, whatever they calculate your um, mortgage insurance is that's added on to your uh, mortgage. It's not going to your principal balance or anything like that. It's just something they're putting aside for you. That's it. Yes, the maintenance, of course, if you don't like to mow grass, <laughs> then <laughs> you may not want to buy a home. You know, you may just... Or pay for a lawn service. You would have to have extra funds for that. So just some things to keep in mind. Yes. Now that we've talked about, you know, some benefits or I guess advantages or disadvantages, um, how much should one save if they don't really qualify for a first time homeowners program or any other type of program that will give them assistance? Uh, is it like 4%? I can't remember. Um, what the percentage is, and I don't know if it's the same from state to state, but you can kind of talk about that a little bit. I will tell you that most lenders, if you don't have any um, down payment assistance programs that you're not getting and you don't qualify for a first-time home buyers, by the way, which is if you have owned a home, haven't owned a home within three years, you're considered a first-time home buyer. So if you haven't bought anything or sold anything or been in anything for three years, you're considered a first-time home buyer. But if you don't qualify for any of that, most places like you to at least have between, at least have up to 10% saved. It sounds strange, 
but it's normally 10%. They may let you get by with getting um, maybe 7 or 8%, but to be comfortable, you want to at least have 10% down. Um, what I always recommend is if you're not getting any assistance, at least at least have between seven to $10,000 saved. And the reason why is because you have to go into closing costs. You have to make sure you have the money that you need to have to get all the inspections done, which is included in your closing costs. And you just want to be comfortable. You never know. You may not use it all, but it's good that you just have that money. You know, you want to make sure you can show them a good earnest payment, which is a different, it's different from your um, down payment. You want to make sure you have everything in a row. So if they if they're asking, hey, um, well we looked at this and you may need to have an extra thousand, then you have that. You know, you're not scrounging around or you're not in the panic mode because you only save just this five percent. But I will tell you, like if you get an FHA loan or something, or um, VA is different, but if you get an FHA loan, which is a government loan, they only require you to have three point five percent down okay if you get a conventional loan most conventional loans are anywhere between five to ten percent depending on your credit score um, and so you want to make sure that you're overly prepared it's good if you have five thousand dollars saved but what if they come back and say well we you you know for you to close you're going to need at least seventy five hundred well now you have to come up with an extra twenty five hundred dollars you know, and then that's going to be all stressful for you, and you don't want that. And so I always recommend at least at least saving $10,000. As a single parent, you know, that seems far-fetched. It seems um, challenging, uh, but um, it really, I'm not going to say it's not a challenge because it is, but it's doable. So set your goal. You know, if you want to uh, buy a house next year, Okay, well, you know you have a year to save. And if you want to save $10,000 or if you want to save $8,000, you if, if you want to save that, then set, set your goal. Look at what you're spending. Look at all of your expenditures for the month and go from there. You can also create extra streams of income, you know, the supplement to add a few, add extra dollars to your account. And what I mean by that is, um, you know, everybody is creative. Everybody has different things. Um, that you can do, do some of those things. You know, you can look at going to Etsy or you can look at doing a garage sale. If you <laughs> if you don't have a home or you don't have a garage, you can also, you know, put your stuff online, you know, have an online garage sale, so to speak. Facebook has a, a marketplace. You know, look at different different ways that you can create extra income to put into that savings account and make sure it's for your Make sure you know that that money that you're doing is for your home. You know, when you begin to set your set your mind and set your uh, sight for the home, the money will come. You know, you'll be amazed at how how much you accumulate. You know, when you're focused on saving that. Wow, that's good. I like that. So as long as you focus on that, yes, the money will come. I like that. So. I guess another thing I was thinking about was how do you determine what type of home to buy? Like if it's your first time and you see new homes, you see like 
a home that someone has lived in before, or you might even see a foreclosure, you know, and then you, you want to make sure you're getting the best deal, but then, you know, by it being your first time, do you want to make sure that nobody has lived there before? Because uh, you think there may not be any issues, like kind of talk about that process a little bit. I think it all depends on what you're really looking for. You know, with a new home, you know, everything is new. Everything is from the appliances to the very ground that it's built on and, and the way that the structure is, it's new. However, you know, it may be new, but they may have used cheap stuff. So you may have had, you may have things fall off like a doorknob they come off or um, it just, you you don't know how um, the foundation is, and so it could it could shift, and therefore you start seeing cracks in your walls that you have to deal with. Um, and so those are some of the things that happen with new structures. Buying new is great, uh, but there's really no I mean there's no equity in it. Like you start out with no equity, and so you have to live in it. <laughs> you have to live in it at least five years to get that equity going in the home. If you purchase a home that's already lived in, then you know there's some equity there. You know, you know the people that have lived in it before, they did some improvements to it. Um, you can already look and see that, you know, they probably have dealt with the wear and tear of the newness. So they may have fixed, you know, if the, if the foundation shifted, they may have gotten that fixed. Or if there was something wrong with the roof, they got that fixed. Or, you know, maybe they may have added an extra bathroom in or something. That gives you the equity um, in the house. So if you're moving into somewhere that someone's already lived in, well, you start with equity already. Now, if you're looking into a foreclosure, uh, you want to make sure you, you, you look very closely at that, how long it's been in foreclosure. That means that how long it's been off the market. A lot of times foreclosures have been in foreclosure for almost up to two years. That means that you're gonna, you need to have the gas check. You need to make sure everything is still working in the home, you want to make sure that, you know, you look it over because foreclosures are as is. So whatever you get is what you get if you don't do the background work. And so it all just depends on, on what you want to do. And if you have the money to fix whatever needs to be repaired, if you're getting into a home that's already purchased or if you're getting into a foreclosure home, you definitely want to have that that savings account that we had talked about earlier with the maintenance, you definitely want to make sure you have that, um, have something in that, in that type of account, just in case you do have to go in there and do some work. But if you're going into a new home, you know, right away, you know, everything is new. So you're probably not going to have to do too much of anything. You just won't have any equity to start with. You're going to have to live in it. Some. <laughs> you're going to have to live in it longer. Um, and you're not going to be able to just, you know, move it or sell it or anything you're really going to have to 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 stay there and and you know plant your foundation in that home so to speak wow okay I had some listeners to write in some questions and one of the questions was how do they find home buying programs in their areas so whether they're a first-time home buyer or whether they are buying a home for the second or third time, uh, where can they look to find these classes? And I guess, do you feel that they are beneficial, I guess, for like basic education? Just kind of talk about that. Uh, 
Um, I always think that um, any type of education that you can get um, as far as the home buying process or the home selling process is necessary. Uh, they can actually look at, um, uh, for us, we have uh, the community, we have a community action that we go to that, that does home buying classes. Uh, you can actually just type in down payment assistance program in wherever state you live in, and it'll bring up um, all the things that are that are available to you and your state that your state has to offer or uh, different community programs have to offer. I think that there are some places that actually give money um, if you go to a down payment class, not down payment class, if you go to a first-time home buyer's class, there are some places that will offer you help with your down payment. I don't know what the amount, the amounts vary depending on what state you're in, but you may want to look into that. Uh, look into uh, if you are in a specific type of profession, uh, there are different down payment assistance programs that are geared to help you own a home. And so uh, my suggestion is, uh, thank goodness we have Google, is to just Google what you're looking for in your area. And it will bring up everything that that is available for your state. Everything is different from state to state to state. So that's why I really can't give you like a target place for it. Mm -hmm. um, but you can always, you can always um, look online. Um, I would also look at uh, the different uh, community action places or community centers in your area that help people whether they're in uh, low income or middle income or high income, they help their community action center. So that's what they do. They reach out to the community and they provide home buyer programs and they provide credit counseling. Uh, look for those different types of places because they will be the ones uh, that will help you in your pursuit of owning a home. They'll be the ones to tell you, okay, you need to go here or we have this going for you. Or if you take this class, you know, we can give you up to $10,000 on your down payment, or we can give you up to $5,000 on your down payment. There are some different places that will have restrictions on what they'll give you, or they'll have restrictions on where you can purchase a home. Um, and so you want to make sure you look into that as well when you're looking for a different assistant program. Uh, like I said, for your area, you can just look on Google and it will provide you. And then start making those calls, you know. Reach out and touch somebody. You know, give them a call. Let them know what you what you're interested in, and see if they'll be able to help you. And most of the times, they will. Um, there's not very many programs I know of that won't help you. Uh, down payment programs are down payment assistance programs are really really big. Um, there's a lot of people. There's a lot of different places that are willing to help homeowners, uh, first time home buyers specifically. Um, also, there's there are DPA uh, programs. Uh, for single parents, there's DPA programs for nurses and doctors and teachers and first responders. Uh, there's down payment assistance programs out there uh, for low income. If you're looking for, like I think, Habitat for Humanity, um, they're a program that offers help with with you purchasing a home. Uh, they have a set of qualifications that you have to follow. But I would look into looking. I would I would look into that in your area if. And I think every state should have a habitat for humanity, but I know we do in Oklahoma, uh, but they do offer a way for you to get into uh, a home. Also, if you're in a rural area, uh, they do rural development um, loans. 
And those are those are, that's a loan where you can also get in without having to pay a down payment. Uh, check the map. Uh, you can pull up rural areas or rural loans uh, for your state, and basically they'll tell you all the rural areas. And you don't you don't know maybe the area that you're looking for or you're wanting to live in is considered a rural area, and they will actually help you get into a home in that area, and they will actually help you with the down payment. They normally they take care of the down payment, so you won't have a down payment or anything with that type of loan. Um, and so it, it's all about you doing some of the research. I mean, of course, you can hire a real estate agent, but I always encourage you to do the research first. At least, at least, find, at least educate yourself to know, you know, where you want to go, uh, how much you want to spend, uh, what you're expecting uh, for your down payment to be, or uh, your closing costs. Do the research first, so that way when you do talk to a realtor, you know, you'll you'll be able to know. <laughs> something a little bit that they know and you'll be able to know if they are versed in what you're talking about or if they can help you. Uh, you always want to have just a, just a little bit of knowledge uh, geared toward what you want to do. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with that, especially like educating yourselves. Like I'm like really big on that. So y'all take the time out to do that. Now, when we're talking about purchasing costs, um, I wanted to talk about that just very briefly. Like, what are some things that we should prepare for? I think we've talked about the closing. You mentioned that very briefly, the closing costs. And then um, I know some other things that could be included is like the home inspection, any other inspection. You mentioned termite, but I don't know if there are any other inspections that may come up that you have to save for. Um, the title insurance, escrow. And you can kind of talk about that a little bit, too, because everybody may not know what that is. So the closing costs basically includes your down payment and all the costs that the lender has to the lender puts in there. So that includes your title, that includes the transfer of the 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 deeds. Like they, you want to make sure that you have a clean title um, on a house. You want to make sure you don't have any liens on it and stuff. And so they they charge you for that. The abstract, which is basically all the every single thing that's ever been done on the house. Um, that's included in your closing costs. Um, the lender, they of course, they charge a fee. That's included in your closing costs. Whatever your insurance is, whatever the taxes are that's, that's remaining on the year that you purchased the home, that's included in your closing costs. The down payment of the home, whatever, your, whatever the loan that you're getting requires for you to put down, that's required in your closing costs. Um, also, the the payment for your realtor and for both realtors, the buying realtor and the selling realtor, that's included as well. Um, you'll and you'll what happens is, is you'll get it. You'll see this like when you're going to go to uh, before you go to closing, you'll get a statement. Your realtor will give you a statement of everything that's going to be on there. It's, it's all your closing costs. And so that's going to be on there. Also, we talked about escrow. Um, escrow is considered your earnest payment. Um, basically what you do is once you're ready to, once you make an offer for a home, you provide an earnest payment. And basically that's just letting the, the seller know that you're serious. Some accept 500, some accept a thousand. I always tell um, my buyers to put forth a thousand dollars. This goes towards your closing costs. It's not, you know, it's not excluded. It goes towards the down payment. Um, but this is just letting the seller know that you're serious and that you're really ready to purchase their home. 
And so they put that up until we go to the closing table. Um, and like I said, it's included in your, it, it's included, it's not separate. And so whenever you're calculating up all the closing costs and stuff, that 500 or $1,000 is included in the cost. Um, you'll also see um, if you, if you have to, if they had to do any other, um, if they had any administrative fee, that will be in there. Um, and so pretty much you have a tally and it tells you the sellers, what the sellers uh, cost were and what your cost were as the buyer. And both of you guys get a copy of that. And it pretty much will tell you every everything that uh, I've said that's on there. So you'll know how much each person is having to pay. And so it's negotiable. So what if you asked for different things? When you did the con, when you submitted your offer, like if you asked them to help with the closing costs, or if you asked them, asked the seller to fix something or to give you a concession, maybe you saw, maybe you went to the new house and you wanted something, or maybe you went to a house that was already lived in and you wanted the door fixed, or you know, maybe you were getting a, an afford closure and you wanted to make sure. Well, I don't know if you can really do a lot of negotiating in a foreclosure, but. Um, you want to make sure that you that's going to be included on your um, I call it a bill of sale, but that's going to be included on everything on your printout out of everything that you have um, as far as your closing costs are concerned. And any other miscellaneous fees, like they'll have any other, like if they had to go to any other, um, if they had to do anything extra, that will also be included on there as well. Okay, awesome. So you mentioned like having to pay the buyer's realtor and then the seller's realtor, right? So um, I remember one time, I can't remember if I was listening to a podcast or if I was actually reading an article and they were saying, whenever you are looking for a home, you should have your own team of people, right? So if you're looking yeah. on like just say rentals.com or something like that, and there's a realtor that actually has a home for sale, like you should not contact that realtor because he is in the best interest of the seller, not in your best interest. So <laughs> I don't know if that's something like you want to discuss, but I thought about that whenever you were talking about paying both fees? Um, so actually the seller pays both fees. So the seller, the person who's selling, they pay their realtor and they pay the buying realtor as well. Okay. And so that's that. So the buyer doesn't pay the realtor unless it's over their, their fee. Um, all realtor fees are negotiable, uh, but the standard is 3% but it's negotiable. So you and your realtor can negotiate 4%. Well, if the selling real, if the seller is only willing to pay 3%, then that other 1% will be included in your closing costs. Um, as far as you contacting the other realtor, yes, get your own team. You can contact them just to see, you know, if the house is still for sale or because sometimes information is not always updated. Um, and so you can uh, see that. Uh, but if they show you the home, of course, you know, they may try to win you over as a client. Um, but there are realtors who do work as the buying realtor and the selling realtor as well. Uh, there's there's no, uh, there's nothing unethical about that as long as the realtor let both parties know that they're representing both the buyer and the seller. You can legally do that. 
Oh, wow. Um, that so, is interesting. Yeah. Uh-huh. You can legally do that. You just have to let them know, hey, um, I'm representing the, the buyer and I'm representing the seller too. Like you have to let them both know that you're representing them. Um, but there's no, it sounds, it, it's, it's a strange thing. Yeah. But it's, it's not like, unethical. What? It's, it's not unethical. Yes, it's not unethical. You can do that. And I say that because if you're a seller, like if you're the selling realtor and you're representing a seller and you bring in a buyer, you are now both the realtor. You are now the buying realtor and you are now the selling realtor. You know? And ah, so you right. just have to let them know. You know, you just have to let both both parties know, hey, I'm representing both of you guys. And so whatever you say, you know, by law, I have to, you know, let them know, okay, this is the offer they put and let them know, hey, you know, but, but there's still some level of confidentiality that you keep with both people. You know, there's still some confidentiality that you keep with the seller, just like there's still some confidentiality that you keep with your buyer. But as far as if they make an offer, you have to let that offer, you have to report that offer to the seller. If they reject the offer, and why you have to report that to the buyer, but you can legally represent both of them. And so if you don't have a realtor and you want to contact the selling realtor, you can do that. You know, of course they're going to, they want you to, they want you to buy, they want you to buy their home. So they're going to try to save the home, but they're also going to ask you, but well, do you have a realtor? You know, are you working with anybody? Are you pre-qualified? And they're going to ask you all those questions too, because they can legally be your realtor as well. And so, um, but I recommend do your research, get your, get you a team, look, ask different family or friends, ask, ask your family who they would recommend, ask your friends who they would recommend, um, or you can do your own research, you know, and ask, maybe ask people in your church, um, or ask people at your job that you trust, hey, you know, I'm looking to buy a home, can you recommend someone to me, what do you think about them, um, word of mouth travels very quickly. Um, I will tell you that's how I get a lot of my um, clients. Um, it's basically just word of mouth, you know, just the service that I provide. If you if you're a good um, realtor or you're good in any, if you're a good employee or a business person in any field that you work in, people will recommend you, you know, or they will not recommend you. And so I definitely encourage you to get your own team because they can help you. You know, they can tell you things that. Maybe the other person may not tell you just because they want to get the sale. Now they want to get both commissions. You know, now they want to they want to get they can get paid for both sides. And so, um, and there's nothing wrong with that. But they want to make sure that they're not only looking out for the seller's interest, but they're also looking out for their interest as well as yours. They just may not tell you everything that someone who's close to you may say. Hey, you know what? I don't. I don't think you should purchase this home. This might not be a good look for you uh, because, you know, they know more about you. Like, you know, you got this, 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 and this, and you may not want to deal with this, this, and this later on down the line. Whether as the other, if they're representing both people, they may not tell you that because they want to get, you know, they want to get the commission from both sides. So, um, yes, I definitely recommend you getting your own team. Uh, definitely would recommend you um, asking around, you know, seeing Go and check some of the firms out if you're if you're interested. Go and take a visit in their office, um, or call them up and say, "Hey, I'd like to. I'm looking to buy a home, and I want to see what your thoughts were. You know, can we meet up? You know, at this, you know, meet up at Starbucks, meet up at a public place, um, and just pick their brain. And that'll let you write. You'll know right then and there if that's the one for you, 
or if it's not then no harm no foul just keep looking yeah definitely so now we've pretty much talked about the process and like I said advantages disadvantages and some things that we need to consider and keep in mind when we're like saving up but I guess is there anything that we kind of miss that you want to make sure that they know when they are preparing before they actually go to apply for that mortgage loan um I will I I will say you know just make sure that you that you're really ready to purchase a home mentally financially you know spiritually and emotionally because it is it it affects all of those areas Uh, we may not look at it that way but it does and I say that because you don't want to get a home and then a couple of months later or a couple of years later you're going into foreclosure because you know you couldn't afford it you don't want that you want to make sure that when you make this purchase you're going to be able to keep it and sustain it and and eventually you know you may have the ability to turn it into a, a rental property or be able to pass it down in your family you know because I believe that when you own a home and when you when you own land, that's really what makes you wealthy. You know, land is the only thing that people really can't take from because it's land. And so you want to make sure that you're in the right place with your, you know, managing your debt, bringing that debt down, um, which we talked about. You want to make sure that you have a good team behind you. You know, get start looking for a realtor now. You know, start looking for those people who can help you achieve your goal of home ownership. That's very important. Having a good support system is very important. Also, uh, get educated. You know, go to some of those classes. Go to, you know, whatever whatever is being offered in the area that you live in. Take the time and go in and, and educate yourself because you never know that program could help you with the down payment, with, with assistance on your down payment so you may not have to save up all that money you know you may only have to save maybe two or three thousand versus ten thousand because they're going to come in and help with the rest um go and educate yourself uh get familiar with the different type of loans that you could qualify for the loans that you're looking for especially if you're in the military or if you're a veteran or if you know that um you have a, a, a good credit score. It's not quite at a 640, it's at a 620 or, you know, wherever you are, start looking, you know, make sure that you are, you have everything that you need when so that when you go and apply for the mortgage, you're well-versed. When you go and get pre-qualified, you're well-versed. Have your W-2s, have all your tax information. You know, have all that stuff ready and handy. You know, you don't make it to where you have to go and dig up stuff and you have to, I don't know. You don't want to go in, I don't know. You want to go in confident and you want to go in knowing that at the end of this process, you're going to have the keys to your own home. <laughs> Doesn't matter, you know, the, the, the bumps in the road at the end of the process, you're going to have the keys to your home. And that's, 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 that's all I, I really have. You know, I don't really have, I think we've covered we covered everything. I'm not sure if there was any other extra questions that anybody had. Okay, um, yeah, that was one more about like, so, you know, you just covered everything on um, like before you actually go and apply for the loan. But after you have, you know, did the application, you've been approved, what can you expect 
after that. That's so awesome. So after you did the application and you've been approved, if you are truly ready, like you're you're ready, then you get to go look for a home. You know how much you've been approved for. You know how much you're qualified for. You know if you if you are financially able to take care of whatever mortgage will come from that loan, then go and look for you a home. I recommend you wait until after you've been uh, pre-qualified to go and look for a home instead of going before. Because a lot of the times we go before and we go and see how much we qualify for, and you may not qualify for that home that you love, you fell in love with. So now every other home you look at, you're going to be like, oh, well, it's not like the other one. or It's not like the, it's not like the one I wanted, you know, and that's going to push you further to wait. And you're going to have to get, you know, get pull down your debt a little bit more, get some more money saved up and everything. And, you know, that home may not be available when you're ready. And so go ahead and get approved first. Then you go and search for homes. And after you found a home you like, then you get a chance to make an offer. What happens when you're ready to make an offer is your realtor will draw up a contract for you. It will include everything that you're asking for. If you look in the house and you're like, hey, I want to, can you put in there for them to uh, fix the washer and dryer? Can you put in there for them to, I'd like for them to at least pay $500 in closing costs. You know, you put in there what you're asking them for. Now they can come back and say no and no or yes and yes, but. You put in there what you want. A lot of the times, you may not want anything. You may just want to throw an offer out there. If they're offering, let's say the house is 150000 Well, if you want to offer 150000 you put that on there. We're going to make an offer for 150000 And they can come back and accept your offer. Or you may want to say, you know what? Uh, let's just go. Let's try 145000 and they may come back and, and they can accept your offer or they can decline it, accept them. But that's after, you know, that's the next thing is making the offer. After that, um, of course, the negotiation starts. If they accept everything and all is good, then you're under contract. Under contract means that you're in the process where you got to get a home inspection done. You have to get here in Oklahoma, we require you to get a termite inspection on the house. And these are expenses that you as the buyer have to cover, okay? Some of them, some of the uh, termite inspections and the home inspectors, they may allow you to pay them at closing, but some of them may not. And so that's where it comes in handy that you have some of that money saved up that you've saved uh, because you may have to pay them up front. They may say, hey, listen, oh, I need my money now, you know, or they may say, okay, well, you can pay it at closing, but it's going to be an extra $200 because they have to wait 30 days to get their money. Um, the termite inspection is, is, is if you have to cure for termites, it's expensive. Um, but the inspection alone, I think it, it, it just, it just depends on the company that you use. It could be anywhere from a hundred to four or $500, just depending on the company that you use. But, uh, that's something that will come out of your pocket as well. Uh, the appraisal comes from the seller side, but you as a buyer, you can get the property appraised if you want. But the seller gets the appraisal. They 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 do all the appraising and stuff as far as to see what the property is valued at. Uh, then after that, uh, once everything is good uh, with the due diligence, uh, with the appraisal, with the inspection, uh, and then you you review the terms. Go back to your lender. Make sure you understand what you're signing. The you know once once you sign at the dotted line, make sure you have everything correct. 
And then after that, you go to the closing table. That's our favorite part of the sale process is going to the closing table. When you go to closing that day, um, hopefully the seller will be there. But if not, the, the seller's agent, the real estate agent will be there. Um, of course, your realtor will be there. You'll be there. And all you're there to do is sign all the paperwork, make sure that the cash gets transferred into the right hand. So you make sure that uh, your realtor is taken care of. You make sure that the seller has their money uh, from the lender. Um, and then you sign a whole bunch of papers. Like you're signing all the deeds, you're signing all the all the papers that are required um, from the mortgage company, uh, from the lender. You sign all those papers. Uh, the taxes, the transfer of deeds, you sign all of those papers on the dotted line. And after that, they give you the keys to your new home. And that's it. Awesome. Thank you so much for breaking that down. <laughs> I really appreciate it. <laughs> I was like, that is the only other thing that I think we pretty much missed. But other than that, I think we've covered everything. That's great. Well, I'm really excited that uh, people are really interested in uh, being homeowners, especially single moms and single dads. I am so excited about that because we definitely have the ability to own a home. Um, And, you know, all it takes for us is just discipline. You know, really just takes just a little bit of discipline and, and making that goal a reality. So yeah, speak. yeah, um, for sure. Like you said, getting that debt down and getting your finances in order. I think that is a major key when it comes down to becoming a homeowner. Absolutely. That your finances, I mean, if you can get your financial life in check and, and you have it to where um, you're controlling it and they're not controlling you. Uh, you're definitely in a great position to be a homeowner. Definitely. Yes. So let everybody know where they can find you and what you have going on. I know you have a book coming out. So tell us a little bit about that. <laughs> um, well, they can find me on Instagram. I'm uh, a single mom realtor. Uh, I'm on Facebook as well um, under Arisha Wilbur or um, the single mom realtor as well on Facebook. Um, I do have a book that's coming out, uh, but it's called uh, The Six Strategies um, a Single Mom Should Take for Home Ownership. Uh, and basically, it just goes over what we talked about uh, here today. Uh, the only thing that I do is I, I give a little, I give, um, well, I give a little bit of scripture with it. So um, I really um, put, mix God into it because I really believe that when you put God first, you know, everything falls in line. And I know, you know, we have a develop a prayer life. And, you know, when you really have something to stand on, a scripture to really hold in mind, it really keeps your confidence level up, especially on those days where it just feels like things are just going nowhere or it's going slow. You know, it's mm-hmm. really good to have a positive, um, something positive in your life. And I, I, I put six, said six strategies, but it's actually six holistic strategies a single mom should take for home ownership. And so that should be out at the beginning of next year. Really excited. Um, it's my first real estate book. I don't know if I'll write more. It just depends on um, yes, that's what exciting. the people ask for. <laughs> <laughs> but that's really it. Um, I'm in Oklahoma City. So if you're in um, the Oklahoma City metro area, um, I am here. I work with the Burroughs Agency. Uh, we're we're located on uh, North May Avenue, 
and um, I'm just just really really happy to be here and I really appreciate you Kim and all of you listeners out there uh, for just having me on today. (laughs) Yeah thank you again I really appreciate it this was awesome and I know a lot of the listeners will benefit from this and I will take the time to link your information in the show notes so that everybody can go and find you. And then once your book becomes available, be sure to let me know so I can share it with everyone. Definitely. I will probably do uh, something where those who have listened uh, to the podcast may be able to get a free copy um, or at least an ebook copy. Um, so that way you don't have to go and buy it or anything. That's just my gift to you guys is to, um, you know, get something in your hands that you can really hold and grasp and stand on. Um, I'm a kind of person who I love to read, but I like to read short but powerful books. <laughs> so it's not going to be a long, <laughs> it sounds funny, but it's not going to be a long daunting uh, door stopper. And I know there's tons of real estate books out there like that, but I haven't found a real estate book yet that includes God in the mix. You know, I've, I've, I've looked at tons of them because I keep myself abreast of what's going on, but I need something holistic. I need something spiritual where I can pray my way through as I'm going through this process uh, because it is a process. All right. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode and you found it helpful. Let us know what you thought about it. We want to hear from you. If you are listening over on SoundCloud, you can leave a comment. If you're over on Apple Podcasts, feel free to rate it, leave a review, and make sure you subscribe so that you never miss an episode. And as always, you can definitely message me on Instagram or simply leave a comment over there to, again, let us know what you thought about the episode. You can connect with me on Instagram at Single Black Motherhood, Facebook, single black motherhood and you can check out the website at singleblackmotherhood.com next week we will be talking all about getting involved in your child's education you do not want to miss it okay so again make sure you're subscribed as always thank you guys so much for listening i can't say thank you enough but i really appreciate it and until next week talk to you guys later bye